Have you ever wanted to dive deeper into scripture? If so, you're in luck, because every day there's a new scripture reflection from the thoughtful staff at America Media, thinking through big questions together, like, what do Catholics believe about guardian angels? And what can Gen Zers take away from the Gospels? If you're already a subscriber, you can access these reflections in your email inbox or on our website. If you'd like to become a digital subscriber, it's easy to do. Just visit americamagazine.org slash subscribe, and you'll have full access to America's scripture reflections. I was helped as a young priest by a woman in a church that I served in Detroit, Michigan. I remember after one sermon, she came to me and she said, you know, when I go to church, I want to hear about Jesus. <laughs> and you didn't have a lot about Jesus in that sermon. <laughs> you know, and I have never forgotten that. Welcome to Preach, a podcast from America Media on the art of Catholic preaching. I'm your host, Ricardo de Silva, a Jesuit priest from South Africa, associate editor at America Media in New York, and also associate pastor at the Church of St. Francis Xavier. In each episode, we take you into the minds and hearts of some of the finest preachers in the Catholic Church. We listen to their homilies, learn what makes them great, and draw inspiration to keep preaching the good news. And our very first guest on Preach, first time ever, is Greg Chisholm. Greg has been a Jesuit priest for the past 40 years and served as a pastor in Los Angeles, Oakland, California, and most recently in Harlem, New York City. Currently, he is the superior of the Jesuit community in Baltimore, Maryland. Greg, welcome to Preach. Well, thank you, Ricardo. Thank you very much. It's such a joy to have you here. I remember hearing you preach at St. Patrick's Cathedral. And when we were preparing for preach, I thought we have to have Father Greg Chisholm launch us into this new adventure that we're about to begin. So it's a real joy to have you with us on preach. I also am thankful and uh, appreciative of the invitation. Just before we dive into this first episode of Preach, allow me a few minutes to talk to our listeners about what they should expect from week to week. On this show, you won't only hear and learn from Jesuits about preaching. I'll talk with lay liturgical preachers, women and men who ordinarily exercise a preaching ministry in their respective communities. I'll talk with deacons, priests, bishops, and maybe even a cardinal or two. A new episode of Preach will usually be released on Monday morning in preparation for the following Sunday, but exceptionally, this episode is being released on Pentecost Sunday, even though the homily you'll hear on this episode is for the Solemnity of the Most Holy Trinity. And finally, a little about the format of each episode. First, I'll have an introductory conversation. We'll set up the readings and give our listeners a sense of the congregation for whom the homily is intended. And then we'll hear the homily in full, after which we will take a break and return for a deeper conversation with the preacher about what went into creating that week's homily. So you're our first preacher. Let's begin. Absolutely. Greg, I want us to look at the readings you're preaching on for the Solemnity of the Most Holy Trinity, Year A. Obviously, it's a feast, and so you're connecting it to the idea of the Trinitarian God. 
But the readings themselves are interesting as well. You'll be focusing specifically on the Gospel of John, chapter 3, verses 16 to 18. And of course, it's that wonderful phrase, God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him might not perish, but might have eternal life. What were you thinking as you heard this gospel and prepared this homily? Well, John 3.16 is one of those scriptural phrases that is in the mind of many who grow up in the African-American Christian church, Mm -hmm. you know? I knew that that would have to be very much a part of however I might try to present the experience of being a believer in God. And true to your own identity as an African-American Jesuit priest. Absolutely. Greg, what is the specific context or congregation that you have in mind for this particular homily that we'll hear today? It's the parish of St. Charles Borromeo, Resurrection and All Saints in Harlem. That's the community that I served for so long, and I love them. So, and I know they, I know they love you. <laughs> I have Jesuits who live with me who tell me that all the time. So I know how much I know how much you were loved there, Greg. This is our very first homily for preach. I can't wait to hear it. Oh well, good. <laughs> I hope it goes well. We will now hear Greg Chisholm's homily for the Solemnity of the Most Holy Trinity, Year A, especially recorded for Preach. Accepting the God of Jesus Christ as your own Savior and giving God praise in church on a Sunday, well, that comes naturally for most of us. After all, we need God. And Jesus has been an arm to lean on more times than most of us can count. Last week was Pentecost Sunday, and many of us, I hope, enjoyed the celebration of the birth of the Church of Jesus Christ that came as a result of the outpouring of God's Holy Spirit. I hope you celebrated it with enthusiasm and joy. If you were fortunate, the choir sang up a storm. The church danced in celebration. You know what I feel about dancing. And many dressed joyfully in red. The entire Easter season, ending in the celebration of Pentecost, is our time. It is our time to celebrate all that God in Jesus Christ and revealed by the Holy Spirit has been to us. Yet, if we are honest, coming to acceptance of Jesus Christ as Savior and immersing ourselves in praise to God, it didn't happen overnight. Arriving at a place of comfort, acceptance, and joy takes time. I don't mean that it takes time to get yourself together on Sunday morning, although that is true for (laughs) some of us that it's always a bit of a, a lift to get up on Sunday morning. But I really mean it's taken some time for you to look forward to being in the sanctuary of this church on Sunday morning. It has taken time for you to appreciate who God is for you. It has taken time to enjoy 
the presence of Jesus Christ in your life, it has taken time, years in fact, to open your heart to the revelation of the Holy Spirit, you get in fellowship and communion with friends in this church. As adults, we've come to accept that God has a purpose for our lives. God had a purpose in creating each of us. God has expressed his purpose through his word. That is how the reality of God is expressed in in the very first chapter of the Gospel of John. God has spoken his purpose through his word, Jesus Christ. Well, several years ago, I attended a mass in Washington, D.C. It was a mass for the installation of Wilton Gregory as Archbishop of Washington. And you and I know the history of our Catholic Church has not ever included the selection of an African-American as Archbishop of such an important city. The installation of Wilton Gregory drew bishops and priests and laypersons, Catholics and non-Catholics, white people and people of color, to the Basilica of the Immaculate Conception. The church was completely filled with believers. And I was pleased to see so many African-American clergy, clergy who were my friends and and my contemporaries. I was happy to see them join in the celebration of the Mass. We listened to the Word of God proclaimed. We heard the words of the new Archbishop as he expressed gratitude and joy in the risen Savior and confidence that the Lord would be with Archbishop Gregory throughout the length of his ministry in D.C., we acknowledged, acknowledged the presence of Jesus Christ in the assembly as we shared in the Lord's body and his blood. The Mass was beautiful. Yet, I have to let you know that I was most affirmed at Mass that day as a believer in God's purposes, as a Christian bathed in the light of Jesus Christ, as a brother in fellowship with Wilton Gregory and all others, when a choir from St. Augustine's Roman Catholic Church, the oldest predominantly Black church in D.C., rose to render the hymn Total Praise, Total Praise written by Richard Smallwood. The choir stood and sang, You are the source of my strength. You are the strength of my life. I lift my hands in total praise to you. This was the moment when my belief and my humanity and my particularity as a Black American were all at peace in the presence of God. My praise of God was expressed from the depth of my soul. I experienced that day, that moment, the goodness of the Lord's gift of himself to me. My fellowship with each person present in the Spirit of God knew no bounds that day. The singing of that hymn at the end of Wilton Gregory's installation, overwhelmed me because the Lord is my strength, the strength of my life. There is little I can do 
that is of value to me or of worth to the world without God. Let the church say amen. Being filled in your soul with the glory of God takes time for most of us. I was 16 years old before I recognized the purpose and the significance of the God of Jesus Christ in my life. God was revealed to me in a community of other young men who were just like me. We were teenagers living in Harlem, in the South Bronx, in New York City, attending Catholic churches and Catholic schools. Our parents were all African-American Catholics from the American South and, and the Caribbean. We had all been baptized as children and were all schooled in the Catholic catechism. We had almost all been altar servers at one time or another. Yet in those high school years, through their companionship at the holy sacrifice of the Mass, once each month, I came to know God as I had never known God. God mattered to me. And from the experience of worshiping God at Mass with these 20 other men like me, I realized that I, that we mattered to God. My teenage experience of the Mass with men like me revealed a kind of lighted path for my life, which, which I have enjoyed. I'm not saying that I haven't stumbled. You and I know I've stumbled. And life certainly ain't been no crystal stare. Nevertheless, I have, I have sought comfort in the worship of God with others, with others who understand their otherness in the world. Along the path, I have enjoyed communities of others like me. Others like me who, who could not ex escape the, the difference we made in classrooms. We could not escape the fear we encouraged in people when we were simply walking down the street. We could not escape the exceptions we were in college or, or the concern we caused in the workplace. We could not even escape the doubt we regularly raised in our own minds. In every city I have lived since my teenage years, I have sought out a community of believers for whom the worship of God mattered and within whom it is clear that we mattered to God. You know, I would like to say that well, we can worship the Trinity, the God of Jesus Christ, anywhere. I would want to be able to walk into any church in this country and in the world, expressing my love for God and experience in the worshiping community, God's love for us all. Is that not what we learn from John's gospel, that God so loved the world that he gave his only son? Should I not then walk into any church and experience the presence of Jesus Christ and God's love for me there? Should I not experience the revelation of the Holy Spirit coursing through my communion with the men and women around me anywhere I go? Well, the truth is, in trying to answer my own questions, I am in no position 
to judge the Spirit of God. Before the Spirit of God, I have learned to humble myself. I know best my own spirit. And the depth of God present anywhere in any church is fully known and understood only by the Spirit of God. However, I sometimes think that in my own spirit, I'm like my grandmother, to be frank. She knew when and how her own spirit was moved or not moved. My grandmother would travel with us whenever my my family went on vacation when I was younger. She would always sit in the back seat of my dad's car and and comment audibly on the people in the towns we would pass through in New York and New Jersey or Connecticut or Massachusetts, wherever we were traveling. There go Aunt Hager, she would say. There go Aunt Hager's children. Now, we had no Aunt Hager in our family that I knew of. But later, I would appreciate that Hager, Hager was the servant of Abraham, through whom he fathered Ishmael. Hagar was rejected by Abraham's wife, Sarah, and Hagar was separated from the tribe by Abraham. Hagar was a woman of color who had joined Abraham's clan out of Egypt. Black people in our country have long called ourselves and Hagar's children, belonging yet separated from the clan enjoying our own music, our own language, our own dance, our own spirits, and finding it historically difficult to overcome our separateness from the clan. In searching for the loving God, my spirit has inclined me, since I was a young man, toward communities of Aunt Hager's children. The graces of our Lord Jesus Christ are more discernible to me there. The fellowship of the Holy Spirit is more familiar there. That is the path I have been on since I was 16 years old. Sometimes it means that the search takes me long distances from where I live. During the pandemic, that search had me and many like me visiting churches across the internet. You know what I'm talking about. I search for church communities where the God of Jesus Christ is more palpable, where the graces of the Lord are poured out on men and women and children who know what it is to need God, and where the fellowship of the Holy Spirit often, well, it often includes the warm embrace, the warm embrace of a brother or sister who shares my struggle. Nevertheless, let us Let us never give up on worship of God in spirit and truth anywhere that believers in the God of Jesus Christ gather. Worshiping in spirit and truth is the kind of worship to which Jesus invited that Samaritan woman at the well in John's Gospel. The Samaritans were were more comfortable finding God at Mount Gerizim in Samaria and And the Jews, well, they worshipped him on Mount Zion in Jerusalem. However, you, you may not find the Spirit of God in the church nearest where you live. You may not find the Spirit of God in the, the most popular church in the city where you are. 
maybe you must find the church where believers who are most like you seek spirit and truth. But don't ever give up finding God where he may be found, but always in spirit and truth. Let us be directed by God's purpose as we follow the Lord's path revealed to many of us in our youth through the fellowship in the Spirit with brothers and sisters we have loved. Wherever we are, let God be the source of our strength. Let God be the strength of our life. Let us lift our hands in total praise to God. Amen. That was Greg Chisholm preaching for the Solemnity of the Most Holy Trinity, Year A. We're about to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll hear how Greg uses his own experience as a black priest in the African-American community to communicate the need that we all have for God's love. Welcome back to Preach. Greg, you had a smile from cheek to cheek. You were clearly delighting in every moment as you were preaching. (laughs) It seems to me that you really love preaching. And so I wonder if you would just share with me, what is preaching for you? It's that I believe in Jesus Christ and I believe in the encouragement that the Lord gave to spread his word. I was helped as a young priest by a woman in a church that I served in Detroit, Michigan. I remember after one sermon, she came to me and she said, you know, when I go to church, I want to hear about Jesus. (laughs) And you didn't have a lot about Jesus in that sermon. (laughs) You know, and I have never forgotten that. Hmm. That the first thing is Jesus Christ. (laughs) I'm a Christian preacher. And so I start with my understanding, my love for Jesus Christ when I'm thinking of what to say to a congregation. You know, I learned that very same thing from a layperson, one of my dearest friends, Samantha Richardson. And one of the things she said to me was, often we like to think that every mass needs to have a theme, right? There's often this idea of, what's the theme for the mass this Sunday? And she said... (laughs) The theme is one and one only. It is the Paschal mystery. It is the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's what we're there to witness to. And I I certainly share your view as well. You know, if if it's not preaching Christ, then is it really preaching at all? Exactly. Might be a nice talk, (laughs) but it isn't preaching the word of God. As I was hearing you, the line that stays with me from your homily is, In every city I have lived since my teenage years, I've sought out a community of believers for whom the worship of God mattered and for whom it is clear that we matter to God. Clearly, this connects with the experience of the African-American people in the wake of Black Lives Matter. Oh, right. And it was a reflection on Black Lives Matter that helped me in developing that idea. It was a uh, minister who I think had a blog, and I was reading some of her reflections on the internet. And she talked about how it was challenging for her to, at times, appreciate that she mattered to God, you know? 
And I realized if there is that concern and that difficulty in a person's mind or in a community's mind, then it's going to be difficult for that community to be at worship, you know? It's going to be difficult to experience the Spirit of God in that community. And you really begin your homily in that way, right? I mean, you say accepting the God of Jesus Christ as your own Savior and giving God praise in church on Sunday comes naturally to most of us. You immediately connect the experience of the people. You're saying, this is your experience, not this might be your experience. You're you're being (laughs) quite presumptuous here. I wonder what that strategy is about, you know, because so many people would start with a a moving story or some kind of anecdote. You just go sort of straight to making this declarative statement about this is who we are. This is who you are. Yeah. Well, I really do feel comfortable with the community. And so I I feel I know them, you know, (laughs) you know, my original preaching teacher was Tom Shergi. And Tom was always about somehow making the people, when you get started, more inclined to listen, to be a, a part of what you're about to say. And so that declarative sentence, knowing that it was true and knowing that nobody's going to dispute it, it was, you know, I, I think that was the way to get them to kind of listen. How do you prepare for each Sunday? I go back to Tom Shergi's encouragement to us. He said, you know, you should really read the readings about 10 times before you even begin to reflect on them, Mm -hmm. you know, just to kind of get the sense of them or the ideas, that kind of thing. You also have to pray. (laughs) You know, you have to pray, pray through the readings. I think that is extremely important to just start with the Word and pray through the Word. That's the first level of this. And I have to admit, the whole thing is a struggle. You're trying to find, you know, what does God want me to say in this? You know, and I try to understand how others have thought about these readings. So I'll read commentaries at times go to some of the church fathers and look up some of the things they said. One of my favorite theologians when I was studying was uh, Karl Barth. So I went to Karl Barth and tried to look at what he said about it, you know. So here's a confessional moment for me. I really struggle with prayer. I mean, I think this is probably true of many people, but I really do struggle with prayer and keeping a consistent rhythm of prayer. And ever since I've started preaching consistently, my prayer has improved immeasurably in that <laughs> I feel that I I cannot preach if I don't pray. I, I feel very strongly about that. And so even if it's right. five minutes or two minutes. Well, you got that right. I, I'm not surprised, Ricardo. I mean, this is all about trying to understand through my own relationship with Jesus Christ what it is that he wants here. So let's look at what he wants, especially in this homily that you've Uh just prepared for us. What was God saying? How did you structure each thought to convey the message that you thought God was speaking to you? You know, I needed to find ways of explaining the dynamic of God, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit at several different moments within the uh, homily. I needed to find ways to show how significant the Trinity is to us. I wanted to also 
help people by situating the possibility of that experience in real life. Like the experience of being at that mass in DC, you know? Mm-hmm. I needed to show that those real life situations are the things that help us to kind of make real these concepts of God. One of the things that strikes me in your technique is repetition, right? You said a few times it has taken time, and really your whole homily is this meditation on how long it has taken to arrive at a particular place That's of right. acceptance, of joy, etc. Right. Towards the end, you keep repeating, you know, about Hagar and going into Aunt Hagar or communities of Hagar, and you keep drumming on the same beat, as it were. Yes. What's going on there? What are you thinking about when you're doing that? Yeah, repetition is a, a teaching technique, really, just to kind of help people understand. So the concept of how long it takes to kind of come to an appreciation of God, you need to give people time to think about it. Mm-hmm within the context of the homily. Yeah, and to hear it over and over and over. Right, right. And the repetition gives you a chance to do that. The idea of the Hagar, well, you know, that expression is probably new to you, but I know it won't be new to most of the people who hear it. Mm -hmm. It was completely new to me. Yeah, they would have heard (laughs) that expression, you know, many, many times, you know. And so uh, it would cause them to do a couple of things. It would cause them to kind of remember. So it kind of goes back to memories and it's affirming. And so that would then encourage listening to what it could mean for them today and now. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm hoping, at least. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the learning here really, I mean, if we're extrapolating from this and talking to preachers in whichever context they're in, know the language of your congregation, no phrases, no songs. I mean, you quoted the lyrics of songs. Yes. Know what moves them, I suppose. You know, right. for St. Ignatius, it's all about emotion and well, connecting right. to the central emotions in people that move them to a different place. Oh, Ricardo, you are so right. And it's clear that your homily is situated in your own experience as a black preacher in a black community. I wonder if there's learning for pastors out there, right, in parishes across the U.S., white pastors in largely black communities. And I wonder if there is something that you can teach me as a white pastor about speaking to a black community that would be helpful. Yeah. I Look, I admit that I am a black man, and I started out most of my preaching with black communities. But I had to learn how to do that somewhat well. But one of the fundamental things that one, I think, has to have is that one has to kind of understand what it is to need God. You know, for many Black people, most Black people, I would say, God is not just an idea. It's, (laughs) you know, they need God. People need the person of Jesus Christ. Well, you have to understand that in We're certainly entering a period of time in our American history where a lot of people can't articulate why they particularly need God. 
And that's key, right? I mean, what you just oh, said, yeah. people need God. Yeah. And that seemed clear to me throughout the homily, especially I felt towards the end where you were, we want to be in communities of Hagar, right? We don't right. want to be in communities that are exclusively black or exclusively gay or exclusively well, right. Asian. We want to be in communities where all of God's people are included. That's, that's where we want to be. <laughs> so how do you preach that and then still situated, rooted in the black experience? I think because for me, that has been the clearest way of articulating what it is to be a worshiping community, a believing community in the God of Jesus Christ. The only way I can explain what the possibility is about is to situate it in the community where I have learned it the most. You know, the, that's the trajectory that I'm on, but it is not the end. Greg, this has been such yeah. a joy. Well, I've enjoyed it too. <laughs> We're going to have to leave it there, but I'm so grateful for your time, oh, for your welcome. wisdom, and I'm sure we'll have you back on Preach. Oh, good. Okay. Thank you, Ricardo. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Preach. You can find the readings and a link to the transcript for the homily in our show notes. This podcast is made possible by the generous support of the Compelling Preaching Initiative, a project of Lilly Endowment, Inc. Preach is produced by me and Maggie Van Dorn. Frank Tewson is our audio engineer. He also designed the theme score and composed original music for the podcast. Sebastian Gomes is our executive producer. We recorded in the William J. Loeschert Studio in New York City with production assistance from Kevin Jackson and Christabel Spielman. If you've heard a great homily recently or know a great preacher you'd like to recommend for this podcast, we'd love to hear from you. Please check the link in the show notes for a link to our submissions form. You can also follow me on Twitter at RickDSSJ. That's R-I-C-D-S-S-J. And one last thing before we go. Did you know that American media can deliver a new scripture reflection to your inbox every day? If you are already a digital subscriber, they're probably in your inbox. But if not, become a digital subscriber today for just $5.99 a month. It's the best way to support our work here on Preach. Just visit the link in the show notes. For American media, I'm Ricardo De Silva. Until next time, keep preaching the good news. Have you ever wanted to dive deeper into scripture? If so, you're in luck, because every day there's a new scripture reflection from the thoughtful staff at America Media, thinking through big questions together, like, what do Catholics believe about guardian angels? And what can Gen Zers take away from the Gospels? If you're already a subscriber, you can access these reflections in your email inbox or on our website. If you'd like to become a digital subscriber, it's easy to do. Just visit americamagazine.org slash subscribe, and you'll have full access to America's scripture reflections.